19th, 2017. This is Hyphen Nation, the world's greatest podcast, and I am your host, Kellen Conley. Episode 29. And my oh my, so many things have happened since 28. What I, what I do is I sit down, and I even sit down, as things happen and I think of things, I have a Google Docs app on my phone, I pull up the show topics, uh, doc that I have in there, and in each episode I just keep putting topics in, putting topics in, to kind of, um, so I don't forget things, so I know what I'm talking about on the show, so I'm not just literally hitting record on a show. And being like, uh, uh, kind of like my early shows was. Kind of how, like, how they were about nothing. Now I kind of have a idea of what I'm going to talk about. I'm all over the place in this episode. And I apologize. This episode's sponsored by Water, by the way. Before we really get into it, though. Well, into the topics. I'm going to address several things all at once here. Ronda Rousey. That happened since before the last episode, I think. Because that was like the end of December. She got knocked the truck out. We'll see how this no cussing thing goes this episode. It probably won't last. Um, She got knocked out. Nunez is a beast. I saw her crush Tate a few months ago, and I knew that Nunez was no joke. Rhonda must have thought she was a joke, because Rhonda caught those hands. In my opinion, I want Ronda Rousey to come back. I want her to try again. I still think Ronda Rousey could be anybody in the division, not Nunez. Right off. Probably not home right off. There's still a lot of unfinished business for her to handle. She needs to come back, get in a couple short shot fights, and then build herself back up to facing a Nunez or home or whoever's holding the belt at at that time. For her to go away after this, to lick her wounds and then retire quietly and possibly go to WWE, she'd probably be at WrestleMania since she has nothing better to do. Go do movies. It's really anticlimactic for what her career was in Octagon. So I'm really hoping that she comes back and doesn't retire. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Yeah, we just getting right into it, folks. <laughs> In Nikki's episode, she said folks maybe about eight or nine times, and I was listening back to it. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I just said folks, just like she did. Shout out to Nikki. What else? Carrie Fisher passed, of course. Princess Leia. Heart attack on a plane. Last we heard was Debbie Reynolds saying she was in stable condition. And I think she passed two days later. Around noon or one. A few weeks ago. And then the kicker on top of that is Debbie Reynolds. Her mother suffered a stroke two days after that. And died. Thank you 2016. So we not only lost Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher. Who is a wonderful person in her own right. Aside from her being. An iconic character in Star Wars. Carrie Fisher. Did so much for the advocacy of mental health problems. And just being. Being one of the few. Actors out there. Who was honest. About what was wrong. And what was going on. Versus your standard. Smile in everybody's face. And everything be wrong. In private you know. We lost her mother. Debbie Reynolds. Who pretty much. You can say died of a broken heart. One of the. Worst things. People always say. Is. uh, Well. One of, the, one of the things that comes to mind that people always say they don't want to have to do is they don't want to have to bury their child. That's just an awful thought. My mother had to bury her child. Rest in peace to Jeff. And in this case, with Debbie Reynolds, it was just too much, and so she she wanted to go be with her. So rest in peace to Carrie Fisher. A woman who's always meant a, a great deal to me thanks to her Star Wars work. And then as I grew older, like I said, just her. Just how wonderful she was in general. And rest in peace to Debbie Reynolds. Girl Meets World is apparently being canceled. Which I think is awful. In the last episode, I talked about how I've, I've been really pro-women and stuff. Let, let me tell you about Girl Meets World. And Eric, you can go ask Nicole. Nicole is Eric's uh, Eric Greenlee's wonderful wife, who I actually met through Zanga, um, the old blogging site. I don't even know if Zanga still exists. I met her through Zanga, and actually I believe that's how Nicole and Eric met was in, on Zanga. And then they got married and now have two kids. And Eric has been the show's biggest supporter outside of Michael Lamarique. <laughs> um, and then Nicole has been my friend for uh, several years now. And is the reason that me and Eric actually got to meet because they came to West Virginia a few years ago, Nicole and Eric, and spent the night at me and Angel's house on uh, back in the Louise days. And then me and Eric's had a beautiful friendship ever since. So, I mean, you can ask Nicole this, Eric. A few uh, years ago, back in my shoe department days, circa 2011, 2010, 
because of my odd retail schedule, there will be several mornings that I wouldn't have to go to work until later. So I would literally lie in bed after Angel's already went to work and lie tweet Boy Meets World episodes. And Nicole would constantly be like, you're a teeny bopper. Hashtag teeny bopper. Stop tweeting about Boy Meets World. You're 20-some years old. <clears throat> Go do something else. She's really just giving me a hard time. Eh, maybe partially she meant it. But just constantly as the repeats came on ABC Family back then. I would watch all the episodes and then tweet out different things. And uh, in general, I've just always been a big Boy Meets World fan. A few years ago when they announced... They're going to do Girl Meets World and Ben Savage and and uh, Topanga. Why? Why is her name Danielle Fischel? Dan- said they're going to come back as uh, the parents of the girl of the show. I was thrilled. It got greenlit. I checked it out. I was like, yeah, I'll check out a few episodes for nostalgia's sake. Uh, I'm sure it's not going to be all that. Or anything. It's a Disney Channel show, and I've never really been a big Disney Channel kid. Might have watched, well, not even, well, kid or adult. Might have watched a few episodes of Hannah Montana. I was more of a Nickelodeon guy growing up. Never even Stevens, never Lizzie McGuire. None of that stuff was my lane. Checked out the show, and I really liked it. I was like, oh, this, this is pretty good. I'll check out some more. And the thing is, it was it's unlike any Disney show that is out currently. Because the show is well done, it's thoughtful, has hard-hitting topics. The leads in the show, Riley and uh, her best friend, whose name is escaping me. I know that the best friend is played by Sabrina Carpenter. She's pretty much is the Sean Ryder, Ryder of the show. Sean Reiter, Sean Reiter of the show. Um, she's absolutely awesome. And then the girl who plays Riley, whose name is escaping me. I'm going to look it up though, because Rowan Blanchard, she is an amazing little feminist in her own right, and has actually, in the past year and a half, really branched out. She's only 15, y'all. Should be 16 in October. Really branched out and really used the Girl Meets World platform as a stepping stone to empower young women, which is amazing. Because that's the kind of thing that uh, I uh, want to, Aaliyah to be into eventually. Now, here's the thing. Because of how active and proactive Rowan is with um her uh, activism in all things, not just feminism, not just women's rights, <clears throat> I personally think that she was becoming because of her work becoming kind of bigger than her, 
Well, not bigger than her. Bigger than, because she was getting more attention than um for that than she was for the show. I I think that uh, um it may have had something to do with the show being canceled. And apparently Netflix didn't want to pick it up either. So this I think tomorrow night actually it'll be tomorrow in about nineteen minutes. Tomorrow will be the last episode of Girl Meets World. And like I said, I feel like that <clears throat> because she was so outspoken, because she was taking a stand and doing all these wonderful things and saying what was on her mind, I feel like she was being kind of punished by the powers that be at Disney. And they're like, well, look, this this little girl is kind of, you know, kind of taking it to the man and saying what she feels and it's not so much more about the show as it is about her, so let's take the show away from her. Which I don't agree with at all. I think it's still on Netflix. I saw it was on there a few months ago. And I, I've seen several, several episodes. The show is amazing. That's the first recommendation for the episode. If you like Boy Meets World, if you're into teeny bopper stuff like me, if you're into lighthearted sitcom fare, if you're into Danielle Fischel, a.k.a. Topanga Lawrence, because she's in every episode, damn near. Check out Girl Meets World. And tomorrow night is the last episode, so... Yeah, everybody wants... Netflix save it, but according to Netflix, Netflix is not going to save it as of nine hours ago, according to the Googler. So, it's a damn shame. Just something else that uh is awesome that doesn't get its due, and then three years from now, somebody will be like, let's do a girl, let's revive Girl Meets World, and everybody will be like, nah, son, that train sailed. I mean, nobody thought it would run as long as Boy Meets World, but three seasons on the Disney Channel, that's that's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. That's not even that's barely syndication money if they even go that route. See, now I'm curious if they're even in syndication. Do you have enough episodes for syndication? 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 Let's see. 71. I think you gotta have a hundred some episodes to be in syndication, so probably not. Damn! Next topic. You're flying right through them. Russell Westbrook was just left off the All Star team. Now, when I say that, he was left off of the fan voted starter team. The coaches still need to go through. And I imagine, I can't remember if they do best record at all-star break in the NBA or if they do last season's, excuse me, last season's coaches from the finals in the NBA. But I'm, regardless, pretty sure that Tyron Lue and Steve Kerr are coaching. So, unless Steve Kerr is going to pull a real asshole move, and there goes that cursing thing. 
Unless he's going to pull a real asshole move and be like, well, I'm going to leave Russ off the team. I want to make that guy mad. He's already averaging a triple-double. I'd imagine that Russell Westbrook will be on the team. Voted over him is arguably the league's second most popular player, if not first at times last year before what happened in the finals happened. Steph Curry is the starting point guard for your 2017 West All-Stars. And then Harden's also in the backcourt. And Durant and a couple other people. <laughs> a couple other players that play in the NBA. West NBA All-Stars. Come on, show me the list. Show me the list. Podcasting 101, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, Kawhi Leonard made the lit, made it. Westbrook got snubbed. Anthony Davis is also on the team. <sighs> wow. I mean, it's fan voted, man. It's the same thing that happened with that with the Scott guy in the NHL last year. I think his name is John Scott. The one that got I talked about him on an episode way long a time ago about how's mad at the NHL because he got voted into into the um All Star game and the NHL traded him and then demoted him and they weren't gonna play him and so for that reason I stopped kind of paying attention to NHL or even remotely caring. And fun tidbit, I'm actually looking at this right now, that the NHL announced a new fan voting rule on Monday, this is back in November, that disqualify players from being named all-star captains if they're injured or since the American Hockey League. Adam, or Adam Scott, John Scott, a journeyman enforcer, was voted in by fans last year when he was with the Arizona Coyotes and still served as Pacific Division captain, despite being traded to Montreal Canadiens demoted to the AHL. Scott was the MVP of the 3-on-3 tournament and will be back for a second year. But the NHL didn't want a similar awkward situation to happen leading up to the 2017 All-Star Weekend in Los Angeles. Uh, bumped the NHL, man. But what the fans should have done is obviously you want to make sure that Westbrook and Durant will be on the floor together. Obviously. Now Steve Kerr can keep them apart as much as possible. Unless Steve Kerr really does pull a power move and completely snubs Westbrook, which is not a good idea. Not a good idea. I just, I just don't get it with you kids sometimes, man. You hand, y'all, hand y'all kids the whole world sometimes and y'all vote for Harambe. <laughs> That's exactly what this is to me. <sighs> had a little situation the other day. Next topic. MLK Day. I'm off. Angel's off. So we take a lay of the daycare. Who blessedly was open. And uh, Angel had been wanting to see hidden figures. Or better known as hidden fences. 
So despite a little protest from me as far as let's go, let's go see La La Land instead because Emma Stone, hello. Come on, come on, bro. Come on, bro. She's like, I never go to movies. You go to movies all the time. I want to see something. Shut up. It's like, okay. No problem. You right. You right, boo. That's what I said to her. Not really. So we, we have a lovely lunch at Chang Thai's uh, Thai restaurant, downtown Morgantown. Hit out to Hollywood Theater, now known as Regal Cinemas, at University Town Center here in Morgantown, and get our tickets. And I knew going in, I was like, I, I doubt that this is going to be a sugar-coated Disney version of things. Because if it was, then it wouldn't be getting the accolades that it's been getting for Taraji and Octavia Spencer. And Janelle Monet, who I uh, didn't recognize the whole film. Like, I was like, I know her from something. What do I know her from? I can't place her face. I don't know who that is until the credits. And now, big old face bomb on that one. I'm going to check this. Okay, yeah, we're recording. I just like to make sure. <laughs> so I, I, I know I hit the red button and I thought I saw something move. And now here we are. You know, I don't want to be like 21 minutes in and not recording anything. I knew going into the movie that I'd have some issues. My issues being that whenever there's a movie about African-American history, about black history, I I can handle watching them, watching it. Mind you, I've never subjected myself to Roots. I have watched Homicide, 12 Years a Slave, you know, run-of-the-mill Big, big time civil rights, not civil rights, big time slavery, uh, civil war era, uh, black movies. I've seen those. And, and like, for instance, this, this falls in the category of the help. I didn't see the help until a few years after it came out. And I watched the whole thing. I was like, damn, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And it's it's just like, it's our history, and I know it's there. And not that I want to turn a blind eye to it, but then when I do watch it, there's a certain amount of uncomfortable digestion that I'm going through. And while I'm doing this digestion, digestion I'd rather do it in private, if that makes any sense. So I'd rather be home watching it. Just like when I watched 12 Years a Slave, I watched it with Angel. And I mean, it's whatever. It's awful in how realistic it was and its depictions. But I mean, it is what it is. So I I knew going in there could be some some triggers, especially after 2016. But I'm like, oh, it's no big deal, whatever. Probably about 10 people in the theater. And, uh, that, yeah, we'll get, it'll be fun. I, I wanted to see it, so it wasn't like I didn't want to see it. Get in that theater. Packed. 
I mean, like almost weekend matinee for a comic book movie, major blockbuster. Could not believe it. So many people. Now, I'm not an anxiety guy. Does not bother me how many people are in a room. But what does bother me doesn't hit me until the movie starts. And the first scene is Taraji and Octavia and Janelle all broken down on the side of the road and a white cop shows up. Now here are these three black ladies in Virginia, we find out. After a wonderful introduction showing like, hey, uh, these girls have West Virginia roots, which is awesome. Some of the girls. It's like, all right, white cop rolling up on these three black girls. I just had, I just had this feeling it's going to be bad. They didn't, they didn't go there. They played to the idea that it could, but thankfully... Once they mentioned they work for NASA, the cop was like, "Oh yeah, we need you at NASA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get on your way. Let me give you a, a escort." Blah 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 blah. Boom boom boom. All good. There was a few scenes that was played for laughs, but also the scenes were using. Um, what am I trying to say? The scenes was using, um, the unfair, oh, segregation, there you go, segregation as a means for a joke. And one one of the things that, that I think happened really early was Taraji and I'm sorry, Hugh Connor Taraji. She walks up to her to the secretary essentially at the new part of NASA she's working at in Reston, Virginia. Now we're at Reston, Virginia, in uh, Virginia, Langley, Virginia. And it's like, where's the bathroom? And the white secretary looks at her and says, "We don't have a bathroom for you here." So probably another six, seven, eight times in the film. You see Taraji running out of this building all the way back across campus. You use the color bathroom that's in the same building. That's in the same building that she got promoted from to start the film. And she's running her heels and clutching all these papers and data that she needs to check. Or running in her heels. I may say clutching in her heels. Running in her heels, clutching all the data. Doing her job on the can. And then running back. And eventually comes to a head where uh, Kevin Costner's character is like, where do you go? Where do you go for 40 minutes every day? And she's like, I got it. And then Taraji explodes. Like, I got to go all the way across campus and use the bathroom. Because there's no color bathroom for me here. And y'all treat me like uh, um, I'm not a person and working just as hard as everybody else. And I got to use this other coffee pot and all this other stuff that he was unaware of. Cause he runs the department and he's talking directly with, uh, 
the big wigs about the space the, the space program like all the time, he doesn't see that his little office just because he got one black girl has suddenly become segregated. And let me say that Sheldon Cooper, whatever his name is, it's not coming to me right now. Sheldon Cooper. Sheldon Cooper. What is your name, Sheldon Cooper? Oh, it's going to kill me. Thank God I got the Googler. Sheldon Cooper. Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons is an asshole in this film. He comes around. But man, is he an asshole to Taraji for a lot of the film. And you can actually see some Sheldon in his character, probably because you're so used to watching him as Sheldon. But man, is he an asshole. Saying to Kirsten Dunst, she's also an asshole to Octavia Spencer. There goes that cussing thing. Ah, fuck it. (laughs) The world's greatest podcast does not hold its tongue. Yeah, I'm crunching ice in your. You'll be all right. Um, but the thing is, like the the running scene with her running from to the bathroom a couple times, there was this this laughter, and there's some other racial racial topics that aren't dawning on me. But as they're happening, you're hearing some chuckles from the mostly white audience. I I don't. I may have been the only black dude in there that day. And it made me a little mad because I get it that y'all think it's funny or whatever, but it's kind of comparable to the pixie sketch that ended the Chappelle show where it wasn't that we're laughing with you, you're laughing at me kind of deal. Maybe I I misread it, but I kind of felt that way. Of course, the story is about these three black women that were integral parts of NASA in the 60s when that was unheard of and did great things in their field as women, as black women. But then at the same time, it's like, man, I'm got all these white people who came to the movie theater on Martin Luther King Day to watch the black girls who did good for themselves. And the last, and one of the things that ran through my mind that day is like, I wonder how many of y'all voted for Trump. So that's why I was uncomfortable. Oh, man. Second rec- recommendation of the show, though. Go see Hidden Figures. It is an amazing film. It's a shame that there's the la-la lands and the moonlights of the world right now because they're going to dominate the Oscars just like they did the Globes. But Hidden Figures is a really good film. Really good, man. Can't, can't recommend it enough. I'm not going to get into what happens tomorrow yet. Save that for last. It's going to be a long-ass episode. I guess that brings me to the announcement that I am now a five-time fantasy football champion. 
Thank you very much. Not only did I manage to successfully come from the sixth spot, maybe fifth spot, I think it was sixth spot, of the Gridiron Conglomerate League. Shout out to Marcus, <laughs> who I took out in the first round. And, uh, by the way, the Mark, M-A-R-C, Rob, R-O-B, dot WordPress dot com, is an official sponsor of the Hyphenation Podcast, the world's greatest podcast. The Mark Rob, dot WordPress dot com. Got a great piece up about Barack Obama right now. I pretty much came from wild card position. Fifth or sixth, I think it was sixth. Knocked off Marcus in the first round. Beat the season champion Anthony in the second round. And then had a rematch of last year's championship with my good friend Justin. And I took out Justin. So I won the gridiron conglomerate for the second year in a row. Back-to-back fantasy champions. But oh wait, there's more. In the league, or better known as Best in the World, a league that I'm in with, I was in with Mr. Greenlee and a few other associates of ours. I also won that league and pretty much ran coast to coast as the consensus big dog in the yard. Only taking two L's all season long, I think. If I had to play Jordan again, though, I probably would have lost flipping Jordan. But yeah, man. Two in 2016. Gridiron Conglomerate in 2015. Elite Talent in 2014. Which makes me a three-year-in-a-row champion. And then way back in 2007, ten years ago, I won Elite Talent in one of its earliest iterations. So I'm now a five-time fantasy football champion, bro. I'm Kobe over here. Yeah, and I'm hooked on a feeling. It's a great accomplishment. I'm very, very proud. But you know what I'm going to say, though, right? I'm still taking next year off. And Angel's been like, you can't quit fantasy football. You love fantasy football. And uh, a couple people in Gridiron has given me a hard time by like, how you going to quit fantasy football? Man, I've been going hard on fantasy football. It's like I told y'all. I've been going hard on fantasy football since 2013, I think, is when I started figuring it out. Because, like I said, I used to just draft some people and throw them in the lineup and see who was hurt and not do the work. But, man, that's that's a job. Podcast 101, crunching ice into the microphone. I want to sit next football season and not care about individual player stats. I need, as a 34-year-old man, I need to be able to sit down 
and enjoy football without worrying about my four or five fantasy teams and about what's happening on Daily Fantasy. I need this for myself. It has to happen. Can't go any other way. And I know come August, I'm going to get that itch. I'm going to start mock drafting. Hell, I can mock draft if I want to. It's a mock draft. But I really do not want to come back next year. I don't want to have to wake up. Well, not wake up. I don't want to have to be looking first thing on Monday morning. Not even first thing Monday morning. I don't want to have to do waiver work on Monday. I don't want to have to check my waiver order on Tuesday, figure out if it's even worth me putting in a pick before the waivers go off. I don't want to have to be sitting there on Wednesday mornings picking up people who didn't get picked up, who I'm thinking can help my team. I don't want to sit there and get those notifications on Wednesday afternoons about who sat out of Wednesday practice when it doesn't matter. I don't want to sit there and find out about a late week injury at 6 o'clock on a Friday. I don't want to have to worry about bye weeks or injuries or targets or none of that. I just want to watch football again, fam. For real. That's all I want. And I'm going to do it. Before I do, one, two, three, four, five times. Top five, top five, top five. Holla at your boy. Now, this is an interesting topic. And I apologize that I didn't, like, lead y'all into this. I just kind of was like, let's go. Let's get it. I got a lot I got to cover. It's my show. I talk for as well as long as I please. I just hope that y'all want to listen to it. So I ain't breaking up no episodes. And... Two and a half hours, I probably break up. But two hours, probably my cap. I don't think this would be that long, though. Talking to a coworker, mentioning how big of a fan of Chance the Rapper I had become in the past, I don't know, eight months, however long it's been since Color and Book came out. And he says, I find Chance to be overrated. And that just blows my mind. Like, what? What? Huh? Chance is overrated? Like, what? He's like the one of the best rappers out. At least it might be the best rapper out for me right now. I've heard a couple songs off of Coloring Book, but I don't know. I just feel like he's overrated. Hmm. Okay. Overrated, huh? Let let me break it down, though. Chance is on par with being the most me not medically most um commercially exposed rapper, at least since Coloring Book has dropped. He has a Kit Kat commercial. He's everybody's go-to. 
for performances and um lately he he's headlining Coachella or Bonnaroo this year it's just like Chance is synonymous with synonymous synonymous yeah synonymous with good rap music right now everyone is championing him the only other rapper that I can think of that gets attention on this level is Drake and Drake is only getting the attention for extracurricular activities because views ain't popping like that no more J. Cole's album came and went. Nobody's talking about Cole no more. And we're back to the mumble rap having his day in the sun. So But I could kind of see how somebody could think that. Now ten years ago. Eleven. Nine years ago. There was a rapper from Louisiana who was the most overexposed rapper in the world. His name was Dwayne Carter. Lil Wayne. And at one point in those in that era between 06 to 08 when Carter 3 dropped, I became sick of Lil Wayne. Not necessarily because of his raps. Despite everything, I've never felt like, even back then, that I was like, oh, Wayne's trash. Like, mischievous? He'll probably say to this day that Wayne was trash. Still is trash. And he is more on the trash side than he is was back then. At some point, though, Despite me calling Wayne trash and all these leaks, and he's always got he's on everything and every remix. Here's a Wayne verse. Despite all that, I realized how immensely, how much I really still enjoyed Wayne's raps, and I realized the problem wasn't with me not liking what he's doing. It was because he had so overexposed himself. So I could see where to a big rap fan. I could see to where a big rap fan might feel like. I have seen this dude constantly and I don't I don't want to mess with it. Not at all fine. I get it. I get it. But it's different versus putting a Wayne song that leaks called I don't know. Here, Duffel Bag Boy. It's different versus hearing Wayne on the hook of Duffel Bag Boy after you already listened to Mrs. Officer or whatever song was off to Carter or whatever Lloyd song was out around then. It's difficult to hear that and then go 
and then not feel like you're here all the time. I feel like in what's amazing about Chance is in this day and age, he's made himself so relevant, even on social media when it comes to music, that there really is no escaping for anyone. Everybody wants to be in the Chance the Rapper business. And I, too, once said, eh, Chance isn't for me. Because I remember plain as day, I, we were at the Louise house. We moved out of Louise in 2015 after three years. So this is probably uh, 2015, 2014, somewhere. And... I got the Spotify one. I'm like, yo, I'm going to listen to um, Chance the Rapper. I've heard good things about him. So I go on YouTube and I Google Chance the Rapper, Acid Rap, full mixtape. God bless YouTube, it comes up. So, start checking it out. The very first song, Chance has this nasally, whiny intonation in his voice for some reason. And I still don't know what it was. And I don't think I finished the song and I just turned it off. I never came back to acid rap until I finally listened to the whole thing a few months ago. So while not the actual best Example, I guess. I still have to be fair and say that, yeah, I kind of thought he was overrated back then just because I thought his mixtape started off weird. But since then, I've listened to Acid Rap twice and I really love it. Can't get Marcus to listen to it for some reason, but I don't know. He's probably wearing glasses and stuff. I don't know. Doing what glasses wearing people do. <laughs> uh, another recommendation, though. While we're on the Chance the Rapper subject, listen to his first mixtape, 10 Day. It to 10 Day. I think I said 10 Day. 10 Day. That he recorded while he suspended from school for smoking marijuana at school, I believe. Or on the property somewhere, and it got caught. And it's really good too. So pretty much all the chances projects go. The one with the Millennium Falcon, Falcon on it. All of chances, uh, <laughs> uh, all of chances projects pretty much have gotten better as he goes along. So it goes, coloring book, acid rap, ten day, which is cool. But. I can totally see why people feel like Chance is overrated. Same reason that people think Drake is overrated. It's just like when you reach a certain level in any kind of music, I imagine, but especially rap, and you just start getting all this hate leaped on you all the time, that's when you know that you made it. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> uh, like, people think Nas is overrated because, like, oh, he only has, like, barely a, a hot album. And Jay's overrated. 
But I mean, it's, that's just what it is, man. Like when you when you're really into in the hip hop, and you listen to a guy several times all the time, you're going to get tired of him. You're going to want to rebel against them, but look, kids. Y'all better enjoy Chance the Rapper while he's here. He's going to stop rapping and y'all won't know to do it yourselves. Go back and listen to more mumble rap, I guess. Lames. Such a hater. I hope that made sense. I, I may have a... Uh, I lost track of what I was saying with Chance a lot there on that last one and I apologize Chance is not overrated but believe it or not he uh, my co-worker was not the last person to mention that about how Chance might be overrated and thoroughly enjoys music now if only Marcus would listen to Sunday I mean not Sunday as a rap So, this is going to get a little crazy. Got on Instagram a month and a half ago or so. And one of my friends from high school, she had posted something. Now, I thought, oh, she posted some of her kids, her husband, selfie, whatever. This is what she posts. My husband, of X amount of years, has been sleeping with this woman who works at this beauty salon in Virginia. Who is She is also married. And to top it all off, she is pregnant. Insane. So... My friend has two kids by this guy. And not only did he do the awful thing of cheating on his wife, he took it one step further and was like, I'm going to really rub it in your face. This is my first example of a social media being used to really air out some dirty laundry by someone I personally know. Because we've seen that all the time with celebrities and musicians and the like. But to actually be able to see kind of what happened is mind-blowing. Because it's like, dude, what in the world would possess you to leave your... Not even leave, to cheat on your wife with a hairdresser who happens to work at the same salon where your wife apparently gets her hair done at, bro. It's just like, why? Why cheat? I mean, obviously, why cheat at all? I'm not an advocate of that. But to have her just throw you under the bus like that, And everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. And then she 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 did take it down eventually. A couple of days after she posted, she did take it down. I don't know where they're standing at. 
I don't know if what's going to happen between her and him, man. But it's the craziest thing. Wake up to I'm literally, I'm literally in the bathroom, and I see see this this post on Instagram about everything that's happened and her coming back. So, guys, let let's not cheat on our wives, because if you do. Your wife will get on social media and embarrass you even worse than you already have been embarrassed by being caught by doing it in the first place. Ridiculous. Next topic. This is a quickie topic. Speaking of marriage... In 2006, I guess. Yeah, it was 2006. A little shoe got re-released. Let me let me go to the Googler. A little shoe got re-released called the Nike Foam Posit One. And yep, it was launched in 1997. Better known as the Air Penny Twos, because Penny Hardaway, Anthony Hardaway had just gotten his own shoe the season before. And his first shoe, I'm sorry, the Air Penny 3s. Because his first shoe was really... I'm trying to say... Oh yeah, it was his third shoe. Because his first shoe, I really liked that one too. His, his second shoe was real nice. And it kind of had a little bit of the foam with it. And then his third shoe was the one where you got the... That's not the right shoe. Are you trying to tell me the Air Penny was not the phone posit was not an Air Penny? You know, it has a Penny logo on it. I'm about to fight somebody. <laughs> like, what's wrong with y'all? Everybody knows the phone posit was Penny Hardaway's. Phone posit Nike's lightweight and durable material was ahead of its time. Launched '97 on Penny Hardaway's feet. I thought it was for sure it was an air penny too, but anyway, the phone the phone posits was out in nineteen ninety seven and I absolutely adore these shoes. Now I may have mentioned it a time or two when I was younger that while I had a great childhood, one thing my parents did not do was spend extravagant amounts of money on me having sneakers. Like Jordans and pennies and stuff. I always had good shoes, just not these. There's no reason for me to spend them spend this kind of money on on basketball shoes back in the day. So I've always dreamed of these Nike phone posits. As 2005, 2006 come along, I start buying my own Jordans and getting some Jordans here and there, and I'm starting to be like, yeah. No, I'm really gonna be a sneakerhead now because I got I got some J's and and all this stuff. I got it's, it's gonna be awesome. I probably am gonna guess. Well, I used to be on Nice Kicks all the time, and I think they had a blog where they would announce shoe releases. And I saw that they're gonna re-release. The phone posit. 
And I'm sorry, somebody on Google said, are air foams basketball shoes? Yes. They're basketball shoes. What what is wrong with you? Anyway, I saw the shoes were being re-released, so I was targeting them. I was like, I have got to get these shoes. I love these shoes. And I was like, like, I've never been the guy, as far as kicks go, who wanted to camp out for shoes. Would I ever camp out for shoes? The right shoe? And if I had the money and the time? Sure, but the time that people were camping out for a shoe that comes out on Saturday is time that I could be using to talk to y'all about the greatest podcast in the world, Hyphenation. That's the kind of stuff that we could do. <laughs> My friend Ed was also a huge sneakerhead. And I was a little worried. Oh, funny thing is the phone pods has actually come back out um, on the 20th. They come out tomorrow. Retail is $230. Dang, Gina. Well, that's not even the whole story. I love these shoes. I knew my friend Ed was a sneakerhead, and I was like, man, he's going to get these shoes before me. I know he is, because when I first met him, he had on some Dunkin' Flate Posits or something, maybe a Dunkin', I think it was either a Dunkin' or a Garnett Flate Posit. So I knew he was in that kind of thing. And so, partially I was like, I want to beat him. But also, I'm not going to camp out and not get these shoes. So I did my research on eBay. Found a pair. Size 12, phone posit. Brand, brand new in box. And of course, it's eBay. And so you could bid on them. I don't remember what the bid was on them at the time. But I just knew... Had to have them. Now your boy was sitting on a whole lot of Skrilla. Whole lot of Skrilla. Thanks to uh, having my student refund check in the bank. Decent amount of Skrilla. So I mean, I, I looked at the buy now link. for some size 12 brand new never worn by anybody else Nike Air phone posits so I call up Angel mind you before this conversation even takes place we've been together almost four years it would have been four years that April in 2007 And she was already sniffing about a ring. Not sniffing. Dropping hints about wanting to get married. I don't make her sound badly. (laughs) Uh, So I call her up because I'm at the radio station looking at these. In between classes, I'm in United 2. So I call her. I'm like, hey. 
she I don't know what she's doing. She was in class or she was substituting at that point. I think she might have been substituting because we live in Pennsylvania Avenue when I got these. Good luck. There's these night there's these Nike Air phone posits. I really want them. I can get them for two hundred and ninety eight dollars on eBay. I'm about to buy these shoes. <laughs> I will make sure that you're okay with it though. Granted, it was my refund money. It had nothing to do with her. Other than the fact she's my girlfriend and we shared utilities and a, a, a rent together. And I say, yo, I want to get these $300 shoes, essentially. When I should have been like, oh, man, I got this extra money from student loans. That Why don't I uh, maybe think about getting a ring or something? Getting her a nice piece of jewelry? Nope. Not hyphen. Went ahead and she's like, well, it's your money. You can do whatever you want to do with it, essentially, was her response. And I was like, okay. Green light. Buy it now. And that's how I spent $300 on a pair of Nike phone posits. I still have these shoes upstairs right now in my closet. And they still look pretty damn good. I've worn them. Thing is, I probably should got 13 because they do start hurting my feet after a while. But yeah, I spent $300 on some sneakers. When I should have brought my girlfriend something nice. But ladies and gentlemen, that is the $300 sneaker story. And I still got three more topics to get through. Whew. It's late. 12.32. But I'm going to do it for the people. I am here for you, ladies and gentlemen. No matter what you do. And I'm here to see that you won't hurt anymore. Inside joke with myself. Next topic was that I lied about WVU. Now, this is hot on the heels of me, of WVU losing to Oklahoma two nights ago here in Morgantown because we couldn't make free throws and it blew a 15-point lead. When I say I lied about WVU, I pretty much a few episodes ago said that I like the AVU, but my main teams were the Hurricanes and the Tar Heels, and so it really never mattered about what Davey did, and they were just kind of like my side piece, and I didn't care how they did, and I, that's how I dealt with the disappointment, because UNC was always good, and I always had Miami's rich tradition to build off of. Man, listen. I don't know squat about North Carolina or about Miami. Nothing. I know nothing about their football roster for Miami or anything other than Roy Williams coaches the Tar Heels. I still like those teams from being a kid who wanted a college team to latch onto, but nobody was a Mountaineers fan around me, so I had no exposure to that until I got older. 
I'm always going to love the North Carolina program, basketball program, and the Miami football program. I always will. I have a Miami Hurricanes dynasty. I just started on my NCAA football 2013 that I uh, actually got from for a super cheap price when I was in training in Ohio and more in Ohio in August. And I still get score updates on the Tar Heels during basketball season, same as the Hurricanes during football season. But the thing is, as much as I want to sit here and say they're trash, Dana's trash, uh, all these things about the football team and how angry they make me and how... I can't believe the program doesn't seem to care about wanting us to be winners. I lied to you and to myself. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I am truly a WVU fan. Despite our performance in football this year, 10-3, and three, despite that performance... I was skeptical because I have been on the fire Dana train for a while. And I actually was pleasantly surprised of how well we did this season. Yes, the Big 12 was down really bad. Big time. But still, we persevered. And we only took two conference losses to two Oklahoma teams that were a little bit better than we were this year. And that basketball team, man, I went to a game last month It was a game where Huggins won his 800 win, I think. I can't see the poster. I don't think it was 700. Pretty sure it was 800 win. I think it was 500. I'm going to go look. Podcast 101. Yeah, his 800 win. I went to that game with my friend Lane. And I was sitting there watching him, man. And I've been to several Mountaineers games over the years now. And the one thing that holds true is I love the basketball team. Basketball is my main sport. The, the Mountaineers basketball team is my main debut obsession. Then football. I love what Bob Huggins has done with this program. Says Beeline Bale to go to Michigan all those years ago. I love the fact that he's still so passionate like he was last night about how awful we practiced before we even played Oklahoma two nights ago and how angry he was that we lost the way we lost and blew a 15-point lead and didn't make free throws. And yeah, as mad as I was, as 
happy as I was to find a crying Jordan meme for West Virginia, the post last night on Twitter, on Facebook, I still woke up and I am a Mountaineers fan. Now what I will not do is look, I suffer enough with the Raiders. I'm suffering enough with the Bulls. I've suffered enough with the Red Sox now at this point. Yeah, three rings makes it feel better, but you know what I'm saying. They've had their bad years or blown huge leads like in 2011 and then not make the playoffs. There is this special kind of debut fan who accept losses well. Like, oh, well, you didn't get them this time. Next time for sure. That's all right. Go Mountaineers. They, they just they bounce right back up, and they're back on the wagon. They're not mad. They don't, like, oh, man, we went three and, three and, uh, three and eight this year. That's okay. You'll get them again next year, Mountaineers. Let's go, Mountaineers. That blind faith is insane to me. I suffered through a lot of bad seasons with the Raiders. A lot of bad seasons with the Raiders. And I was mad. But then again, it was like, it kind of is what it is. And I find that extremely difficult for me to do. For the Mountaineers. I have a. Um, what am I trying to say? A low tolerance for. Being accepting of failure. And to see. People take the approach of. Oh, well, we tried our best. Like it's Little League football or T-ball or something. You'll get them next time. It's all good to see someone do that. For the Mountaineers. Oh, it just drives me up a wall. And I can't do that, man. I was I was mad about the game last night. I was I still am mad about the game two nights ago. I keep going back and forth. But then you see somebody posted on Twitter this picture of uh I don't know it was maybe a person. It was raining and Someone was holding up a, a umbrella over the WV, the flying WV logo, saying that no matter what, they were still a fan and all this stuff. And it's like, what is this participation grade bullshit that y'all accept for WVU, man? No. Sometimes I feel like nobody wants WVU to win shit other than a certain amount of people in this town. We're okay with being middle of the pack and then surprising some people, but nobody ever wants to build a real 
I know, obviously, recruiting college sports, but it's like no one ever seems to want to make a a real run at, you know, we're going to try to win national championship this year. It never feels that way. It's like, all right, guys, we're going to try to put the best product on the floor or on the field and see how that goes and try not to lose our bowl game or our, uh, look bad in March Madness. That's the shit that doesn't fly for me, but truth be told, I am a West Virginia Mountaineers fan. It's a great day to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be, always. But don't come at me with that. Good job, guys. You got blown out by 40. Yay, Mountaineers. I love you guys. Just don't care. (laughs) That's what it sounds like to me, at least. That's just me. So I went to WWE Roadblock last month with Gary and my friend CJ. It was in Pittsburgh. It was my second pay-per-view in Pittsburgh. My first one since the Royal Rumble in 2014 when CM Punk had his last match in WWE because he walked out the next night um, in Cleveland. And it was a great time. I have first saw the show advertised back in July, August, and I told CJ about it. I was like, yeah, I want to go to this pay-per-view in December. He's like, yeah, I'm totally down. I got a hotel room. I was like, dang, are you serious, bro? He was totally serious. He, uh, he did already have a hotel room right next to the now PPG Paints Arena, which is cool, much better than trying to say Casal console center whatever it was called y'all yenzers and your silly names but it, it was a great show we had great tickets not as good as mischievous he was right down there by the barricades we was a couple rows back but um if you follow me on twitter at b hyphen or on instagram the b hyphen the b hyphen or if you're a friend of me on facebook you saw some pictures from the show. Had great seats. The show was excellent, even though immediately after card got trashed, of course, because that's what people do. Smarks do. Speaking of, speaking, speaking of smarks, actually was seated next to a very inebriated gentleman who was super pumped for a new day. And uh, he was there with two other buddies of his. Knew they lost in the first match, or like um, lost their belts in the match with Cesaro and Sheamus. He was super sad because they they were there for New Day. I believe he had New Day inspired outfits on, and then Dude proceeds to pass out for the remaining time of the show right next to me in the chair, drunk out. Anyway, during the uh, Charlotte. Sasha Banks Iron Iron Man match because the sky saw the Brooklyn crowd do it either I don't remember if it was after WrestleMania or just some point over the summer or spring he decides he wants to start trying to sing over the women's match that hey baby 
Be bad girl, whatever the hell that song is. That the Brooklyn crowd was singing to Charlotte when Charlotte was trying to do work out there. I found that to be a complete sign of disrespect in Brooklyn. And I found it to be a complete sign of disrespect here in Pittsburgh. And I was like, uh, as soon as he started singing, because, I mean, it was a great, 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 great Iron Man match that they had. Shame that Sasha lost. But, uh, as soon as he started singing, I was like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, why not? And he's on the other side of the passed out guy next to me. I'm like, don't, we're not Brooklyn. Don't, don't do that. He's like, yeah, Brooklyn's cool. Is what he says. I'm like, oh lord. I was like, all right, smart. And then he turns. He's like, smart, smart. He turns his buddy. He goes, what's a smart? A smart for the uninitiated is a smart wrestling fan. Is what it is, because a standard fan of the WWE is known to mark out for the product on screen. A smart mark will still mark out for what's on screen, but then will also have some insider information as to the goings-on in the business. I am a smart, and I'm okay with it, but I am a respectful smart. I I prefer the term insider more. I enjoy knowing just as much of what goes on behind the scenes as I do with what is actually shown to me in the ring. But the fact that this guy had no clue what a smirk was, I found that hilarious. I did prevent them from singing, which I found awesome as well. <laughs> but I, I, I just can't handle, like, this isn't the Divas age anymore, man. This is... This is just straight up wrestling, women's wrestling. Let them do their thing, and we'll call it a day. That's all I'm asking. Um, saw some great matches. I got a Roman Reigns t-shirt, because I didn't like the Seth shirt, because it was the one that said Seth freaking Rollins, instead of the uh, rebuild, reclaim joint that he came back with uh, when he returned to WWE in the uh, middle of last year. Now he has a uh, like a, a um, what's the word a, a light tan, a light tan, a light gray shirt out now, but it's like an insignia, but it still says Seth freaking Rollins around it, so I might still not get that joint. Maybe that means they dropped the price on the uh, re- on the one I do want though. I uh, saw Chris Jericho get thrown through an announce table. Saw Kevin Owens get thrown through an announce table. Saw. A reunion of two-thirds of the Shield with Rollins and Reigns, which is awesome. Uh, what else did I see? Saw a lot of good action. Saw Rusev and Big Cass and Enzo. Got to see um, Enzo and Cass do their intro, which was amazing and a lot of fun. Saw Chris Jericho and Rollins wrestle. There's just a lot of a lot of cool matches that night, man. That show was really tailor made for a live show too, and that may have been why it didn't go off as well, like 
as a pay-per-view at home. Like, uh, for the viewers at home, I have not watched it. Watched the live version yet. On the network. The pay-per-view version. I need to just to kind of compare. But, uh, I had a lot of fun. A lot of fun watching that pay-per-view. We all had a good time. Got to talk to um, Mischievous a little bit after the show. He came up to our hotel room because we were right next to PPG. Had to go to work the next day. I was a lame one. Had to be at work, but so worth it. So worth it. Um, trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to mention about Roadblock other than it being awesome. I think I've said that plenty of times. If you can, and Eric can attest to this. Go see the WWE live and in person. I have now been three times. WrestleMania 28. Royal Rumble 2014. And now Roadblock 2016 in Pittsburgh. And I cannot wait for my next show. Such a fun time. I really want to take Angel to one. But she wants to have really good seats. So we'll see about when that happens. Today is the inauguration. I'm guessing effective as of uh, midnight last night. Barack Hussein Obama is no longer the president of the United States. See, I always thought it'd be something like he was president until... Um, Trump got sworn in or whatever. But uh, from my understanding, he is no longer president. And until Trump is sworn in, this country is without a president. A scary thought. I know I've talked a lot this episode about all kinds of things and I know that I didn't cover all the topics I may have lost you on a few topics because again I apologize it's late and I may have just lost my train of thought hopefully hopefully editing can clean that up and it doesn't sound like complete trash But we're entering a brave, new, scary world today. I'm going to share with you the same sentiments that I had before of hoping that Trump isn't as big of a monster as everybody is is predicting him to be. That it was all just a show to get elected and now he's just going to kind of GW Bush cruise his way through his term hopefully just one term they're already in the process of trying to repeal the American Care Act the American Health Care Act my friend Heather is already being affected by this of course every day there's Trump and Putin rumors swirling around that Trump's denied several times Trump is quick to defend himself against shots from everyone, even a wonderful actress like Meryl Streep, a wonderful actor and woman like Meryl Streep, who's still wonderful after all these years. 
Trump is still tweaking crazy. He's not answering press conference questions. Going forward, I ask that you don't hide. I ask that you stand your ground. Do not let this, these changes in this Republican-led government scare you from doing what you believe in, striving for what you want in life, or just going about your day normally. I know that Trump has said horrible things about women and several ethnicities. I ask you to not stand there and take it. I ask you to fight within reason. And most importantly, stay woke. As 2016 was just an example of, and as the, the great Wyclef Jean once said, anything can happen. Stay woke, keep your head in the swivel, and always know what's going on around you. Stay informed. Don't be, don't be tardy to the party. Shout out to Kim from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Threw a little levity in there. But seriously, guys. A little faith. A little perseverance. A lot of determination. We will be okay. But we will hold our ground. And we will fight back when necessary. Okay, so now that the lecture's over, it's one o'clock in the morning, it is now December 20th, whoops, January 20th, 2017, put your pinky fingers to the moon, Angel's gonna kill me, like, why are you down there singing, Angel doesn't really talk like that, Uh, I'm actually going to have to edit this one. I had originally planned on this episode being about podcasting and how I do my show and how I, how I've come. So like what I've learned along the way of about my whole podcasting career, I'm going to put that in my back pocket because I do want to actually go in depth. And then once I was like fading in and out on, uh, what I was talking about with the chance topic and the, the, has been called cheating topics. I was kind of like, yeah, maybe you don't need to be going in depth on podcasting when you can't even remember what you just said 40 seconds ago because you're tired. So I'm going to put podcasting one-on-one in my, part, my pocket. That one is actually in response to a question that Mark uh, Boscat sent me several months ago about, hey, Kellen, I want to start my own podcast. Uh, what do you think about uh, sending me some ideas about how to get started? I was like, sure. And then I promptly forgot until recently, I was like, oh, shit, I never answered Mark. What a great friend I am. 
Mark uh, Bosquet is also a great writer. You can find his work at the Mark B O U S Q U E T dot com. Uh, you can find a lot of his short stories there. And he's also on Amazon. He has a lot of great books. I just finished one up called Face Your Yesterdays. It's a short story anthology. It had four great stories in it. One I have read before on his previous website, Atomic Anxiety, and three other ones that blew my mind even more than that first one. Mark's a great dude. So we're going to put podcast one on one back burner. But uh, if you want to be down with the hyphen nation, the world's greatest podcast, all you got to do is uh, go to behyphen.com. That's the official home of the Hyphen Nation podcast. All 29 episodes of Fire can be located right there. Go on iTunes, of course. Subscribe. Rate, review, and share. Whenever you rate and review, the show will get more exposure and more people will be down with the greatest podcast in the world. Let it be known. Show is also available on FeedBurner. If you go to behyphen.com, uh, scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see the podcast central section under hyphenation. There is a FeedBurner link. You can put that into your favorite podcast listening device and be able to get all the episodes as they come out, which I'm still striving to do weekly. I'm already behind. Shout out Michael Lamarick, <laughs> Uncensored Mike. Um, what else? What else? You can find the show on Stitcher. You can also find the show at your local comic book shop, which would be really cool if you could, but I'm actually just going to cheat and, uh, make sure that I mention all the things that I'm supposed to mention here because I feel like I forget all the time. And of course my internet wants to be slow as fuck. Come on internet. Load my pictures. Go, 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 go. Podcast 101, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. iTunes, Stitcher. Oh, Google Play. You can find Hyphenation on there for free. The TuneIn app. You can actually listen to Hyphenation on your TuneIn radio app. All you got to do is download the free TuneIn app. And you have it right there available to you immediately. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, that's the main one. iTunes. FeedBurner, Stitcher, Google Play. And you can always just uh, Google up Hyphenation Podcast. And you can find episodes there. You might run into uh, the blogger where I actually post all the episodes that run the iTunes feed. And you can listen to them there. Or maybe you'll find them on archive.org where all everything is hosted. Shout out to the great archive.org for hosting my podcast. And... Every podcast I've ever done, pretty much, since I left, uh, oh, what was that uh, website that used to host my podcast? Used to host Hip Hop Manifesto back in the day. Eh, whatever, they were terrible. So I left and I found archive.org and I never looked back. Only podcast I've ever had an issue with, and that was only until recently, was Garth Brooks episode of Victory Jump Off Radio, and that's only because I got a copyright complaint and I just haven't re-uploaded somewhere for usage again so if you've been trying to get victory jump off radio episode 6 for any reason my bad Garth didn't want y'all to hear that if you want to contact the show at me 
on Twitter, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N, Facebook.com slash Resilient Redundancies, or you can be old-fashioned and send me an email at v-hyphen at gmail.com. I mean, if you want to mail me, I guess you could. Just email me and I'll send you my address. <laughs> uh, episode 30 is a Q&A episode. I got a lot of questions on deck, but I'm going to try to collect a few more before we get at it. Think about seeing if I could hit up uh, the Ask Reddit subreddit on Reddit and be like, hey guys, I'm a podcaster and I'm doing a Q&A show for my 30th episode. Ask me anything. Probably get some weird stuff. So get those questions in on any of those formats, Twitter, Facebook, email, and I will be answering them all. Even if they're old, I will be answering all those questions. It's going to be a great, great show, y'all. The 30th episode of Hyphen Nation. This has been the 29th episode of Hyphen Nation. I don't know what I'm going to call this one, though. I never do. I used to be so good with pulling names out of these things. Now, right now, I'm just drawing blanks. I know what one thing, though. I'm not in love with that Ed Sheeran song, Shape of You. That song's terrible. And I think I just want number one. I don't understand you white people, man. You get like, oh, my God, this Ed Sheeran song's so good. Let's go to iTunes and buy it. All, let's listen to it a whole bunch of times. The song's awful. That man ripped off Marvin Gaye. Why do you want to freaking support Ed Sheeran? <sighs> yeah, I'm getting sleepy. Top hater status in full effect. But until episode 30, and until I find a title and make the artwork and write a blurb and, and get everything posted and make a video of this, <laughs> I love this show. Don't get me wrong. I make it sound like it's such a job, but I do love the show. I love doing it for you guys. Appreciate everybody tuning in as always. And the last thing I got to say is thanks, y'all.